There are three readings this morning from Romans 13, Hebrews 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2. Romans 13 verses 1 to 7. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. 1 Peter 2 verses 13 to 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the Emperor. Uh, We're continuing our series on spiritual vitality. We're looking at a number of various aspects of spiritual vitality over the month. That's going to continue on. And uh, today I'm looking at one of the spiritual disciplines. Next week I'll look at a different spiritual discipline. But you might think, I don't even know what a spiritual discipline is, so we should pray at the beginning so that we understand more at the end. Heavenly Father, we just pray as we look at this idea, it may be very new to us, this idea of having disciplines in our life that develop our spirituality. We just ask, dear God, that you would be with us. Help us, Lord, to be open. Help us, Lord, to be receptive. Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
My sermon will only go half the length of time that my sermon went yesterday because it was fully interpreted. We had a Chinese interpreter behind me, so everything that I had to say was uh, was interpreted and relayed to the Chinese-speaking people that were present. Um, and I had to stay on script. And for me, that's a miracle. <laughs> I may stray from script a lot. Spiritual disciplines, what are they? Here's my definition. My definition is these, these are rhythms of thought... They're rhythms of action that are designed to increase our Christ-likeness. They are rhythms of thought and rhythms of action that we engage in with the object and the outcome is being that we're more like Christ. In a sense, they become habits, habits that produce holiness, habits that produce holiness. And what am I talking about? Well, here's a list here. Uh, you may not be able to read that because it's too small. I'll mention them and just read down there. This is a list by a very famous author in this area. Not the only author, but one of the famous ones called Dallas Willard. And he talks about disciplines of abstinence and disciplines of engagement. So there's kind of two emphasis. One of them is is things that we might do by ourselves, and others that activities that we can engage in. Um, so he talks about uh, disciplines of abstinence and he talks about solitude. That's refraining from interacting with other people in order to be alone with God and to be found in him, solitude. He talks about silence. It's okay, it's a kind of play on words there. Um, not speaking in a quiet place in order to be quiet in our minds and our whole self and attend to God's presence. That's kind of what I'm going to be talking about next week. And also speaking in a way that we can listen to others and bless them. Fasting, going without food or something else like media, social media, television, whatever it might be, for a period of intense prayer. The fast may be complete or it may be partial. Sabbath. Doing no work or rest in God's person and provision, praying and playing with God and others. Secrecy. Now, unusual use of the word secrecy. It basically means not bragging, not telling other people what you've done. Keeping secret to yourself the things that you've done that honoured God, that blessed others, that served him. It's the things that we do in secret that we don't broadcast, but we've done some Christian action. And submission. Not asserting ourselves in order to come under an authority, wisdom and power of Jesus Christ, our Lord, King and Master, but if we think of it as submitting to a person or to an authority, it becomes a discipline of engagement. So what are the disciplines of engagement? These are ways we engage with God actively and other people. Bible reading. Trusting the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Scripture as our God, as our guide, wisdom for strength. Worship, praising God's greatness, goodness and beauty in words, music, ritual or silence. I think today's worship experience together has a real touch of God about it today. I just really sense a fabulous spirit in the room. Prayer, conversing with God about what we've been experiencing and doing together. Soul friendship, engaging fellow disciples of Jesus in prayerful conversation or other spiritual practices. Personal reflection, paying attention to our inner self in order to 
grow in love for God, others and self. Service, humbly serving God by overflowing with his love and compassion to others, especially to those in need. Friends, if we were to engage in those kinds of activities and that kind of thought as a regular rhythm of our life, what would the outcome be? I believe if we engaged in these thought patterns, these habits, these practices, I believe they will, as they've shown over centuries, that these lists date way back centuries and centuries and centuries, maybe even back to the third and fourth century, where these kinds of thoughts and patterns were established. I believe if we give ourselves more to these things, these will be the disciplines that will help us in our discipleship. Now, what one am I going to pick today? Have a look. It's the nasty one on the list. Guess what I'm going to look about? What are we talking about? I'm going to talk about the discipline of submission. Everyone say, praise the Lord for that. Yeah, I didn't think you would. Um, Submission. Okay, here we go. The discipline of submission. So what are we talking about here? Not asserting ourselves in order to come under the authority and uh, wisdom and power of Jesus Christ as our Lord, King and Master. If we... If you think of this as submitting to a person or a government or an organisation as under Christ, then it is a discipline of engagement and that is really what I want to talk about today about. Of course, we have this uh, great passage given to us in Romans that establishes right at the beginning, let everyone be subject to the governed authorities. Now, here's the principle, for there is no authority except that which God has established. That's why we need to be praying for those people in authority. The Bible talks about he delegates his authorities to governors, to politicians, to leaders, to church leaders. We need to be praying. The scripture talks about praying for those in authority. You need to be praying for those in civic and civil authority, in government and in church. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority rebels against what God has instituted and uh, they bring judgment upon themselves. So all, on, all authority on earth has been God-given, uh, but each authority is accountable to God. Uh, I have authority amongst us in here in the body of Christ as do the other leaders in this church and leaders... Um, amongst us, we are going to be accountable. I will stand before God on judgment day for how I've led this church. I'm fully aware of that. I know that I'm going to be judged more harshly because the scripture talks about those who teach the word will be judged more harshly because we ought to know better and we ought to do better. And so I know that my mandate and responsibility in leadership of this church, that I must lead this church in what is good for the church and what is not good for, not necessarily good for me, what is God's preference and not my own personal preference, that I know that whatever authority you have given me by voting me as your senior pastor way back in the dark ages when I turned up, um, Back then, I understand that that authority comes with a complete accountability. I'm accountable, of course, to our elders and I'm accountable to the congregation ultimately, but I will stand before God on judgment day. because my authority has been the authority I, I exercise as servant leader, and that's the style of leadership I believe in. Servant leader um, is one that I'm going to be accountable for God 
Uh, and I'm fully aware of that, and I take that very responsibly. Uh, of course, there are times when it comes to submitting uh, to authorities where you think, well, can you always submit to every authority? But what happens if the authority asks you to do something that's not right? What do you do? What do you do? I'm going to read to you from the book of Acts. Uh, and we're talking about the apostles here who are out preaching and teaching and telling about Jesus. Uh, but they called the men again and commanded them, commanded them, do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, uh, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. So what do we do when there's a conflict between our Christian faith and what an authority is telling us to do? And that can be an authority at work. I was, uh, my first job I went for uh, and got the job. I turned up on the day and they they ran a plastics factory and it was a neighbour of mine and he said, this is all very good, you can work. All you need to do is uh, we'll invent a name for you today that you will work under a false name and it will be a tax evasion strategy. Well, I'm about 16 at this time or 17 and I've scored my first job on a weekend working in a plastics factory. I am required, it's 5.30 in the morning, I'm standing in the kitchen of two doors down from my house and I'm required to tell a lie and to invent a false persona uh, so that there can be tax fraud perpetuated in my name, well, a false name. So what did I do? Well, I thanked them for the opportunity and I walked out. And I went home and mum said, I thought you were meant to be at work today. And I said, well, I was going to be at work today, but I'm simply not prepared to, to create a false persona to lie and evade paying taxes. It's not the right thing to do. I don't think my relationship with my neighbours were ever the same. They just couldn't believe it. They just couldn't believe it that somebody would do that. But my conscience said, even though this man's going to be, would, would have been and isn't, would have been my boss, I'm just simply not prepared to go down that track. And again in the scripture over in Acts chapter Five, again in the book of Acts, the apostles were brought in and appeared before the Sanhedrin, which is the council of 70 people that ruled, ruled over the Jewish nation. They were the religious um, council, the Sanhedrin. They were questioned by the high priest, so the boss of the Sanhedrin. He gave them strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, but you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. We must obey God rather than human beings. And of course, that's what we must do. We must always put God as the highest authority. But of course, there may be consequences for that. There were consequences for me not to create tax fraud that I had a falling out with my neighbours that I don't think we ever repaired. Of course, what happened to the apostles? We know that they were later arrested and beaten and put in the stocks. You can read it yourself in the middle of the book of Acts. And they were arrested and beaten. Jesus Christ was killed. Paul was beheaded. 
by authority because of their outspokenness. We submit ultimately to God. So what kind of authorities do we have? Okay, God, what authorities did God put in place? Well, we have the authority of the Bible. This is God's word expressing God's will. It's not a burden because it gives perfect freedom. I'm only going to read a couple of verses as we trot through these various areas. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 says, and I'm reading from the RSV, because that was what I was brought up on, and I like it. It's a bit like that, isn't it, really? And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. The scripture was written for our good. God has not written the Bible to wreck your life. He's given it to liberate you. He's given it to show you the path. He's given it to uh, enhance your life. So we submit to God's scripture. All scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's the Timothy passage. What's another area that we go through? Well, we have civil authorities, governments, kings, police, judicial system, teachers, lecturers, employers. It's double demerit time. If you're speeding and on your phone, it's going to cost you a whole lot of money and a big lot of trouble. And that's just the way it is. We live in an, we live in um, uh, a country where that's the law. We're required to do that. You can't just say, well, I like to drive fast and be on the mobile phone. It's not going to work out for you. They will catch you and you'll be in massive, massive trouble. So we have authorities over us. The Peter reference reminds us, submit yourself to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake... That's interesting. To every human authority, whether the emperor or the supreme authority or the policeman on the corner with the hairdryer pointing it at your gar. Ain't no hairdryer. Uh, to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong. Uh, the Romans reference says pay taxes to whom taxes are due. I had a wonderful correspondence this week from the tax department. I have the joy of paying my first ever capital gains tax. What a joy that is. My accountant has estimated that I will not be getting a return, but rather I shall pay a lump sum to the government. And I just have to say, joy of joys, what a wonder that is. I just, I'm going to practice Romans 13 all weekend, joyfully send off a big fat check to the government uh, as a part of my obligations because Jesus said, pay, uh, you know, pay Caesar what is due Caesar, pay God what is due God. Because we're under authorities. I'm under authority and that's my authority and that's my joy in obedience this week. Praise the Lord. At home, parents and children... Parents and children, children obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord and all the parents said. And of course, I declare children to be children until they're 45. And my daughter said. <laughs> oh yeah, you say that in church, you don't say that. <laughs> You're a different kid outside, aren't you? You're little. <laughs> yeah. We have all that, uh, 
there's a raging debate, obviously, in Christianity about the relationship between a husband and his wife and how that how that all works out. We know that that's a raging debate, which would take us about a month of uh, Sundays to get through, so we're not going to bite into that. But we know that some people argue strongly for order in the home in terms of um, the uh, family order uh, of husband and wife, but that's for another time. So, But there is God-given order and structure, and our children are required to be under the parents' leadership. In the church, there's a talk of honour and respect and submission to leaders who have to give an account. The Hebrews says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account, like I will give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, uh, for that would be of no benefit to you. Ask yourself this question, are you a joy to your leaders or a burden to your leaders? I know... um, I'm very blessed to be here, to be honest. But I know that there are a number of my other colleagues that have just been hammered. Uh, some people have really made it their mission to make their life of their leaders very difficult, which is not the case here for me or my team. Uh, they've really these people. They turn their personal preference into. They declare them to be huge principles, and they fight and they fight and they fight, and they keep pushing. They want their own way and everything. And sometimes it's not even for the good of the church. It's just for the way that they like things to be. And so I know that you know there's there's right. It's very good that we have opportunities to voice things and challenge our church and to ask questions of our leadership. Uh, but the Bible says ultimately uh, we know that they fall in line. It was interesting when I wasn't a senior pastor of a church when I was just a church member uh, for seven years. It was a very interesting thing for me having had the background just to just to join the pew and just think well I'm under I'm under this guy's leadership now he's he and the team lead this church and I never asked my question if I was king for the day what would I do? Because my mandate was to fall in line with his leadership. My mandate was not to question his model for ministry. My mandate was not to question how he structured his staff. My mandate was just to fall in line and say, uh, this is the situation I choose to be along to and I'm going to ask myself, what can I do to serve under his leadership to enhance the ministry of this church? And that was my whole attitude for nearly seven years. And so I just did those things that would enhance his leadership. I told him I will not go into leadership positions. I will not serve on your board. I will not lead ministry departments because that is my strong set of gifts and that will upset the apple cart. So I didn't want to do anything. I did nothing that would undermine his leadership in any way but support it as much as possible. I said I won't be preaching much because that's another strong suit. I don't want an Apollos-Paul conflict happening here. I said I'll preach for you when you go on holidays and if there's another gap, just call me up. And so it was interesting, you know, that I went from leading a large church to being under the ministry of somebody leading a large church and how there had to be a massive shift in me from going in one direction into another direction. I could have made mountains out of molehills all day long. I could have made his life misery. But at the end of the time when I left, he said, thank you. He said, I was really worried when you joined my church as a member as you may well be. You could imagine that, couldn't you? I could cause trouble. He said, I was really worried when you joined my church because I realised that you've got a strong and assertive personality. You could have made my life very difficult. 
He said, but you haven't done that. You've been nothing but supportive and cooperative. And I thank you for that. That was a great commendation, wasn't it? That was a great commendation. And so I thank uh, Darren for those words that he spoke over my life. Conscience, Bible-based, spirit-led. We need to keep it well-informed, but we mustn't ignore it. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, Holding on to the faith with a good conscience. There we are. With a good conscience. Uh, which some have rejected and suffered the shipwreck of uh, their faith. So God God gives us a conscience, but it needs to be spirit-led and Bible-informed. You know, it's possible to have an oversensitive conscience. It's possible to be just hyper about a particular issue, which is really not a God value. And we can make so much of things that God doesn't necessarily make that much of. We can have an oversensitive conscience. And of course we have an undersensitive conscience too. We see things. We see man's inhumanity to mankind. It's unbelievable sometimes. What people can do and sleep at night is unbelievable. Are you not amazed by that? They seem to be able to commit certain acts and there are criminal networks that continue to do things and it's just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. They have under-sensitive consciences. The Bible talks about having a seared conscience. In 1 Timothy 4.2 it says, A seared conscience, hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. And so by ignoring their conscience, in a sense they've shut it down and seared it off. And you can have a misinformed conscience. That is something that is wrong. You declare something to be wrong when it's actually right. Or you can declare something to be right when it's actually wrong. So this is what we have. We have the spiritual discipline of submission. How are you going in those areas? Have a look at the board there. Have a look. I wonder what area quickens to you. We know this, that God has delegated all authority. All authority. uh, And we, according to our understanding of the scripture, come under that and we submit ourselves to that and it is a part of the discipline of being a Christian person. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you are the supreme authority. We also acknowledge, Lord, that you delegate authority and, Lord, where our consciences allow and where the Bible affirms, we submit to those authorities. But, Heavenly Father, you are our ultimate authority and, Lord, Ultimately, we live to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.